All right, welcome back, everybody, to Just Three Guys podcast. We are now on episode nine, and yes, this is AJ doing the intro and not Noah, because Noah is doing some business thing. I can't remember what he said, but he's gone out of town, not able to join us, but Gable and I wanted to get something out for you guys, so we're here. Today, we will be, of course, talking about our updated sports news We'll be discussing the top NCAA college basketball teams, some NFL college football news. We'll bring back odds and ends, take a break from that really long what a sports tournament. And of course, we will be sending our picks. So with that said, let's get it. Let's get it. All right, so episode nine feels like it's been a while. I think we only took a week off, right? Yeah, just one week. Yeah, so I think we both had some stuff going on. So, Gable, you can go ahead and start for us. What's new with you? Um, I haven't had much really. I know I say this every time. <laughs> you do, but uh, like I'm really busy. But I never, I can never think of what to say on here. But I guess. Uh, basketball season's been going pretty well. We have our first game uh, starting tomorrow, uh, home against Bethany Lutheran, team that made the NCAA tournament Division Three last year. I think they won a game in it too. So, um, and I think they started off one and zero this year. So it should be a pretty good one. Um, we've returned a lot of you know our guys back this year, and um, it should be a pretty fun one, especially since I'm working with varsity this year. They've kept me busy, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun year. Outside of that, um, had an interview today for a potential internship position with the Iowa Cubs. Really? What are you going to be doing there? Yeah. Or what did you interview for, um, I should say? I interviewed for uh, like three separate ticket um, operations internships. So one was like basically ticket ops. Okay. And then the other two were like group sales and then like skybox suites. So interviewed with them today. Thought it went pretty well. The guys I interviewed with seemed like really cool guys. Um, I had a good time, so hopefully they, you know, they said they get back to me probably after Thanksgiving break. Uh, they got a lot of people to interview, so hopefully, uh, hopefully get some positive feedback at the very least. Uh, but yeah, the, other than that, you know, we travel to Chicago next week for basketball, and we go to Missouri on Tuesday. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to Thanksgiving break, um, taking a break, yeah, no a little kidding, bit from schoolwork. Um, but yeah, I've been super busy last week. Uh, I can't remember. I was really busy on like Friday, which is why we probably couldn't do it. And I think Noah had an assignment for something as yeah. well, but yeah, basketball season's very time consuming. So yeah, been doing a lot. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with you. And speaking of basketball season, um, last night our JV team played its first game and we beat Graceland down in Lamoni. 104 to 67 we won, won oh, by nice. 37 points so i i think i scored five points in the game like two for three had an and one layup um nice so everybody on the team seemed to play about the same amount of minutes because we were up by a lot pretty much the whole game so i would have to say this is one of the the most enjoyable group i've played with in my three years um so it was it's pretty fun last night. It was fun being on the road with those guys. 
Um, and I guess I also wanted to announce the results of our Twitter poll that we ran for my no shave November. And unfortunately, uh, <laughs> Six, the poll that I ran, 65% said hashtag leave it versus the 35% that wanted me to shave it. I would have been involved with that 35%, but you know, sometimes <laughs> things don't go the way you want them to. And that also doesn't take into account the people that replied to the tweet saying hashtag leave it. So I guess I want to thank everybody for participating in that, even though it's not the result that I'd hoped for. But I guess one way to look at it, we're already nine days into November only three weeks left. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see what you look like with like legitimate facial hair. I, I should show you right now. Um, I'll send you a snap real quick while we're talking. But uh, okay. I, I, I'm really uncomfortable with it. Like I last shaved on Halloween. And I mean, it isn't like it's fully grown because, you know, I can't grow facial hair very well. But it's, I don't know, it's borderline disgusting. That's noticeable but it just doesn't look good. It doesn't really fit me. Are you participating, Gable? Um, No, I've participated just about every year in No Shave November, but this year I'm not. I've had, like, I have, like, you know, basketball that I got to kind of look good for. Oh, yeah, that's like, true. Headshot this past, like, week. And then um, I had, like, an interview, obviously, today, and then I have another one coming up here after Thanksgiving break, so – I'm just trying to keep it under control. I'm kind of going with the goatee and mustache look right oh, now. Oh, there you go. I Yeah, I usually never go with that one. Most time it's just like all or nothing with the beard. Um, but I'm kind of trying to switch it up and see if I like it. I tell you one thing, though. It sucks because I have to shave like every two to three days on the <laughs> side. And it's it's terrible. Um, but it looks okay, I think. Yeah, see, you can... You look just fine with facial hair, like because it, it grows. Oh God, dude! I'm just checking out the Snapchat of you. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> I can't. You have to leave it though. I mean, you have to go. With I it. mean, yeah, I have to now that the fans have spoken. But I mean, I'm I'll tough it out, see what happens. But uh, I guess I wanted to ask you: Is it legal to trim, to trim it, or how does that work? Um. Yeah. So. Um, I think with no shave November, like a lot of people will be like, no, like you can't do anything with it. I think as long as like you keep it under control, like the only way you can do it is you can, you have to even it out. That's the only thing. Like, so if you have a couple stragglers, that are oh yeah, than the rest, I definitely do. Then you have to even <laughs> it out. We can't like take off like length just for the heck okay. of it. Like, yeah, you just, the only thing you can do with it is even it out if it starts to look like absolutely Yeah, well, right terrible. below my bottom lip, I have, like, three hairs that are sticking out more than the others, and it's, it's yeah, bothering I would, me. I would probably shave that portion. Okay. I think only people care about how big your mustache is going to get. Um, the, the rest of it, it's just going to look like real bad. So yeah. just keep it under control. Yeah. And this is, this is really my first real experience with facial hair. So I'm not exactly sure how it's going to look or what's going to happen. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm not really too excited about the next few weeks. Yeah, it'll be all right. Got some questions that I got to ask and I hope you can come up with answers with Let's move on to the inquiry. Um, Noah didn't even find any questions for us, or he didn't send us what the what the fans said. How how rude of him! 
I had to, oh, I had to yeah, go out there and absolutely. found something. Gosh. But anyway, uh, this is something that uh, is related to what we talked about last time, I believe, where uh, we talked about uh, why aren't you nine months old when you're born? So it kind of yeah. relates to that. It's another birthing question. Um, so we just had daylight savings time last weekend. And I saw on Twitter, this, uh, this was kind of mind opening. Uh, so what happens, say a pair of twins being born, one is born at one fifty nine AM. So like a minute before daylight savings time, and then, uh, let's say his twin brother ends up getting born 10 minutes after him. So that's technically one Oh nine AM. So I don't know. I don't know exactly yeah. if, or how that works. If it's, if you have twins, do you get, do they come out like boom, boom, or do they come out like every, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I have no idea. I would probably guess that there would be some time in between um, instead of like pushing out two at once. I feel yeah, like yeah. Over, so that's what I assume. So anyway, the question is would the first twin be considered older or would the second twin who comes after daylight savings time? Would they be older? Um, I would probably go with the uh, – I'd probably go with the first twin being older even though the time change is different because they were, like, born at the same time. I think in that situation, you kind of just have to lie about it and just be like, nah, this person, this kid was born at, like, 209 or whatever. Oh, yeah. I would not say that the second one is older. It would just be too confusing at that point. That would be, like, a funny thing to say. Like, I could – like, the Schmidt twins when we were in high school, I feel like that would be one that those two would argue about a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, I feel like every twin would have that kind of argument about who's the older twin in that scenario. Well, as, but, yeah, yeah, especially if it shows up on the birth certificate. You know, like, one might say one or one fifty nine a.m. and the other one would say one oh nine a.m. But – that yeah, doesn't take into account like, daylight savings at all. I would like to like actually like see if that would be a real thing. Like if that's ever happened to before. I bet I bet it's happened at least once. Like at least one time. I mean, yeah, you would had you would think so. I'm gonna see if I can find a quick little search. Oh, here we go. Twins born at end of daylight savings time. Rare age twist. This was a couple years ago. Uh, let's see. Twin boys in Massachusetts will forever need a few minutes to explain who is older thanks to daylight savings time. So let's see. One twin was born at 1.39 a.m. And then the next twin came out 31 minutes later. Okay, so the 10-minute window maybe was a little too quick. So, yeah, yeah, so the twin brother, the second one that came out, his recorded time was 1.10 a.m. rather than 2.10 a.m. And they're saying that makes him the older twin. That's yeah, that's completely false. If everyone <laughs> comes out of Wooten first, it's Ex- definitely exactly. Huh. That that's kind of interesting. So so it actually has happened before, I guess. Yeah. How old would those kids be? When did that happen? Did this is twenty sixteen, two years ago. Twenty sixteen. Oh, so geez. recent. Well, hopefully when they're older <laughs> and they're listening to our podcast, we can interview them about it and be like, on episode nine, we actually discussed oh, yeah. uh, your dilemma. And then they'll probably, you know, we're thinking like, probably like at least a good four years down the road until they're like six and can comprehend things. We'll just bring them on and give them a good debate. Okay. And I scrolled down the article a little bit more and the dad said it was 
it's cool that one is older and the other was born first. So it's that's just weird. Yeah. That like makes me think of um, you know, in kicking and screaming, where it's like where Will Ferrell's kid, um, his like what it should be like basically his cousin is actually his oh, uncle because yeah. they're the exact same age. <laughs> that's like one of those situations where it's just like it's like almost too awkward to talk. Uh, yeah, because it's just so yeah weird. for sure. I mean, this would definitely lead to arguments in the future, but it'd make. Interesting family gatherings, I bet. Absolutely. All right. So that does it for the inquiry this week. We'll send it over to Gable for J3G's Just Three Things of the Week. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. All right. We're back with another edition of J3G's Just Three Things of the Week. So there was a this the first thing we're going to talk about. Um, I was going to ask this last week until we couldn't get to the podcast. So I'll bring it back this week, and I think it's actually better to talk about now. Now that the Champions Classic uh, has concluded on this past Tuesday, and so college basketball started this week. So I was thinking, who would you take to win the NCAA tournament this year? The top four ranked teams, which is Kansas, Kentucky, Gonzaga, and or would you take the field? And of the top four teams, who do you think is most likely to win it? Yeah, so remember on Tuesday when I said, I don't know if you saw this, but I said that, does anybody else think that Duke's going to end up being overrated? Did you see that tweet? Yeah, yeah, I saw your tweet about that, that you said they're, like, they're going to be like the most overhyped Or overhyped, yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah so after, after that game against Kentucky, I'd have to say my – Thoughts have changed, but I mean, it's still only the first game. A lot can happen. Um, I'd say definitely it's a it's a race between Kansas and Duke at this point. Um, I think Kansas having Azubuki or Azu I, I can't even say his name, yeah. <laughs> but uh, having him back is going to be great for the Jayhawks because even last year, like not many teams could stop him or slow him down. It's just really his free throws that are his issue. But, man, yeah. even though Duke is loaded with star freshmen, boy, they looked great playing together. And I, I'd say just off of one glance, I mean, Duke might be the team to beat right now. Yeah, before if we would have had our podcast last week, I would have said Kansas would be my uh, team to beat this year with Duke right behind them. And then Kentucky, like, in a close third. Um, I think, like, Kansas is just – they're very well-rounded. And this is a weird Kansas team where it's not really their guards. Like, in recent years, we've just had Kansas guards. Oh, yeah. It's always, a, it's always a point guard. Yeah. It's always, like, Sharon Collins, yeah. um, Devontae Graham. Frank Mason. Um, yeah, Frank Mason. Guys like that that lead them to, like, pretty deep playoff runs. Um, but this year, like – they're balanced all across the board. They brought the Lawson brothers in. Um, you know, they brought in Charlie Moore. Um, Dotson's gotten better. Um, then they have Quentin Grimes on the team, star freshman, and obviously Osbuke is back. Um, so I think their entire roster, top to bottom, is really good. Bill had a great NCAA tournament last year. Um, I, I would have said, like, and I still think they're probably 
right now the best all-around team in college basketball. But I actually picked Kentucky to beat Duke if you if anybody saw yeah, that right. take Tuesday this past week. And I'm like I don't think people understand like Kentucky's got like a ton of talent on their team. Granted they were playing really bad tonight. Um last time I looked and this was like a couple hours ago, I haven't actually seen how the game turned out, but they were losing to like some like mid major school or were whatever. They really? Um Yeah, they were. And I think so at least. And then um I like they had a ton of talent come in. Like they brought in the second rank recruiting class. They kept like three or four kids from last year's Sweet Sixteen team. Um, then they also brought uh, in the number one transfer and Reed Travis, who's two time, you know, first team All Pac twelve player, I believe. So like they're really good. And then Gonzaga has like two or three NBA players uh, on their team. So like, you know, before the season, this would be like really really determined but now i just feel like kind of like the way that you do with kansas and duke kind of being a class above and then i think like gonzaga's kind of third and kentucky might be more towards the field than those top three but i would still i would still ultimately take the top four versus the field because outside of like those that kansas and that duke team just they look unreal and then if you give me gonzaga and kentucky as well like those could easily be the other two final four teams in it. And so I, I have to see, like, I've, I feel like t- at least two of these four teams are making the final four this year. And I think Duke and uh, Kansas are probably going to be, yeah, it should. but I think I still believe that Kansas is the most likely to win it all of all of them. Um, because I do worry about like, if Duke can consistently shoot it well, um, whereas Kansas, I don't really have that worry, especially since, the big 12 doesn't look like there's a clear number two to challenge them, which means they'll most likely be the number one overall seed. And Duke plays in the ACC, which is the best conference for basketball. So it's like one of those things where if they're not shooting well, then you really have to depend on Zion and RJ to physically just handle everybody, which they probably could do that on a consistent basis. But at the same time, like, you're playing against probably the best conference competition um, on a nightly basis once December hits. So uh, I, I feel like I would still take the field, but I feel like Kansas still should be the favorite as of right now, despite Duke looking so good. Yeah, and see the thing with college basketball, it's always like once it gets down to March, like everything's so unpredictable because it's unlike anything else where one game can ruin an entire season. So, like, yeah. if Kansas were to lose to, like, once conference tournament rolls around, or once conference play rolls around, Kansas loses to a, one of the lower-end teams of the Big 12, then you may start questioning if Kansas is really the number one contender for the championship. But then also, once we get to March, I mean, they have to play – It's it, they have to play one game against each team as they advance through the tournament. And if they lose one game, they're done. So, really, I mean mm-hmm. – Really, consistency is the most important thing when uh, when picking a favorite. And so, I mean, it's honestly kind of hard to after just only one game. See, here's, like, my thing. So, a lot of people think that, like, college basketball is this absolutely crazy, you know, um, anything can happen type deal. Where mostly, like, I, I feel like, that only happens in the first weekend 
Like, if you look up the teams with, like, the the teams that have won national championships, at least in the past 25 years, but, you know, you can look up all time at the Division One level. Like, it's split between 20 to 25 teams. So, it's really not as crazy as a lot of people think. And most time, the Blue Bloods, like, not necessarily now because UCLA hasn't been really good since for about, like, 10 years, I guess. But, like, most of the time it's split up between Kentucky, you know, North Carolina, Duke, UConn in previous memory, you know, Kansas. Teams like that are, like, the ones that, you know, usually win on a consistent basis and Villanova as of lately. But it's, like, one of those things where I feel like people don't understand that, like, at least probably two of these teams are going to make the Final Four. So then you're trying to tell me that, you know, if it is Duke and Kansas, like you better hope that the team in the field just has a uh, like a crazy good night, or that one of those other two teams just plays really, really bad. You yeah. Know? So I, I really feel like, it, yeah, that first weekend of March Madness is crazy, but then after that, it's pretty, it's pretty normal for the most part. You'll get like a team like a Loyola Chicago or like Wichita State when they made their run. Um, or like Davidson with Steph Curry that can make it to the Elite Eight or the Final Four, but they usually don't end up winning it, which is why I would probably take the top four. Um, the teams outside of the top four that could probably push, you know, I'm not going to count out Villanova because they've been so good as of lately. I'm um, not going to count out Tennessee, turn the uh, player of the year, as well as Admiral Schofield, really good team there. And then there's obviously like a ton of other teams, but I would, I just feel so strong about those top four that at least two of them get in the final four that would take my chances with those two versus, you know, um, the other two teams that. Yeah. The thing is like you mentioned where some contenders will get knocked out in the opening weekend, but then you, yeah, there's always at least one of like the favorites that you see in the final four or the championship games. Mm-hmm. Like I'm counting it right now. And since, and since like the year 2000, I think there's only been like, so that's 18 years since 2000, uh, the 2000 national championship. I think there's been like eight different national champions, if I'm counting that right. So like it, and they're all blue blood schools. Like the only ones that, you know, Florida won back to back for two years, but usually Florida's pretty good. Um, Syracuse won one, um, and outside of that, like Louisville won one. Uh, outside of that, it's like Kansas, North Carolina, and Duke and UConn have and Villanova. So, and they've all won like multiple in that time span. So, it it really it's really not as crazy as people think. So, I would definitely and I could almost guarantee that most of these teams that have won it were preseason ranked top five or top ten. So, like, I feel like it's one of those things where I would take the top four, especially this year with uh, Duke and Kansas and then, like, as probably the third and fourth best teams. So, with that being said, we'll move on to the next discussion point, uh, the NFL. So, we're kind of halfway through the season right now. So, I want to go over some midseason superlatives with you, Oh, AJ. boy. So, the first, first one. Uh, who is your MVP so far halfway through? We got some pretty good names. Uh, you know, Cam Newton, 
having a really good year with the Panthers. Drew Brees, obviously, and the Saints have been great. Then I kind of did Todd Gurley slash Jared Goff. Um, you know, Todd Gurley's kind of the cog of the engine, but, like, Jared Goff has been so good this year as well. And then, obviously, your boy oh, Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Yeah, so who are you? who would you go with it for MVP? Well, uh, for starters, it would seem biased if I picked Patrick Mahomes to win it. But, man, he's – like for how young he is, he's just done amazing things. He's broken records. He's up there in terms of uh, stats with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady for this point in the season. Like you got to, I mean, you got to consider that when you're voting for an MVP. I think. Um, however, you also got to think about Drew Brees, who's leading an incredible offense in New Orleans. Todd Gurley, I think he's the lifeblood of the Rams offense. But I think what it really comes down to, or what it's going to come down to, is like those three players, uh, I think one of those three will win. But it'll come down to whatever team has the best record. Like I feel like that's important when it comes to MVP voting because you can be the most valuable player on a team but, uh, you know, maybe your team team's record doesn't necessarily show how valuable it is. But um, if you look at the transition from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are scoring so many points on their opponents, like more than Alex Smith could put up in two or three games combined. And I think uh, that might be the deciding factor right now, in my opinion. Um, I would probably, it's really close for me between Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes. Um, one with Patrick Mahomes, obviously like they're putting up insane numbers in Kansas city and it's like, it's kind of like a good, but bad thing, you know, um, in his case, because like he has a bad defense, which means that he's going to have to throw the ball like a ton and they consistently have to keep tacking on points to make sure that they win. Um, but at the same time, like, his supporting cast is, like, all-time good. It might be one of the best supporting casts we've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if he keeps having to score, like, is it impressive? Which I, I think it is. Like, I, the, what he does with those weapons and stuff, you can't really discredit him too much. So I'd probably give him the slight edge over Drew Brees. But, like, what Drew Brees is doing, I mean, name a wide receiver on the – uh, Saints other than Michael Thomas. Well, not Des Bryant if he tore his Achilles. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's like, like it's literally just like Michael Thomas and their tight end is Benjamin oh, They really use Alvin Kamara, and, though. Yeah, but like, if you're thinking like, look at, look at the top three targets outside of Kareem Hunt at running back. You have Tyreek Hill, you know, uh, Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. All three are all pro players. When you look at the Saints, you're like, well, they have Michael Thomas. Uh-huh. Like, that I couldn't make, I think Ted Ginn might be on the team. Yeah. But I'm not sure. You'd have to check me yeah, on he, that. Yeah, he, he's on the um, team. <laughs> yeah. So it, it would be like one of those things where he's doing so well and the Saints are doing so well and their defense was not good through like the first two or three weeks and Drew Brees really carried them. So he's slightly below. Um, the thing about Cam Newton that I think people forget is that I looked up his stats the other day. 
I think his highest completion percentage ever before the season was like 62%. And I think that was his MVP year where he had like 35 touchdowns through the air. And I think he had like six or seven rushing. This year, he's completing like 67% of his passes. He's got 15 touchdowns to like four picks. And this was before the Thursday night game. And so like he's having like a really good year. And he's kind of like the reason. Well, he's probably the biggest reason why the Panthers are winning because they don't really have a lot of perimeter weapons. So they kind of have to do it in that funky way where he really has to throw a lot of passes to Christian McCaffrey. So I would put him in the conversation, but right now I'd probably have to just put Patrick Mahomes number one. So uh, moving on most disappointing teams so far. So I have a list of them and I'd like you to pick from one. Um, So first one would be the Jacksonville Jaguars at three and five, the Cowboys at three and five, the Giants at one and seven, the Browns at two, six and one, and the Eagles and Falcons at four and four. Um, well, I would say the Giants just because Eli Manning was my MVP pick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, but for real though, um, I'd definitely say the Jaguars. Um, after the year they had last year, I mean, you would have like we all thought that they'd be Super Bowl contenders. We thought they'd be one of the contending teams in the AFC, if not the best team in the AFC. Now they're, they're sitting at three and five Bortles. Blake Bortles has been playing horrible. Um, it's they, they even like extended him in the off season. Like they wanted Bortles to be their guy and it's not looking like a good decision right now, but they really have the same core of guys back, especially on their defensive end. But that it's really not the, defense that's the problem it's just their offense like they can't score enough points to to win any games they have one of the worst offenses in the nfl yeah um my thing with the jaguars is that their most important player has been hurt since pretty much the first game of the season and leonard Fournette. Yeah, they have no run game so yeah so it's like one of those things where like i i was going to pick the jaguars but then i was like if their best player on offense has been hurt the entire season and the whole like purpose of their offense is to give that guy the ball and hope Blake Bortles can complete like hopefully like 62% of his passes in a game and not turn the ball over more than once or twice. Like obviously they're not going to do well when Blake Bortles is dependent upon to do like to try and carry that load. Cause last year he did fine for like what there were, was like last year was the ideal season this year when you take out the most important player on their offense and they don't have another guy that can carry the ball 25 to 30 uh 30 times a game like obviously putting the ball in Blake Bortles hands and not having really any perimeter weapons to work with probably not going to turn out too well especially since Deshaun Watson has gotten hot as of late and uh Andrew Luck is back in the division so that doesn't help as well my team would be the Dallas Cowboys as the most disappointing okay. team. Think about this. So the Giants were expected to have a at least somewhat of a bounce back year. I thought yeah, they would. Definitely. Um, a lot of analysts thought they might. Um, you know, they had really good talent in their one and seven, and they sold on pretty much every unit of their defense. Then you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, super, defending Super Bowl champs, come out kind of slow. Carson Wentz um, playing okay, but they were sitting at four and four. So, like, clearly not where they were at the at last, you know, they're clearly not where they were last year at this time. Right. Um, well, 
Yeah, and so then you look at the Redskins, and the Redskins are, like, playing well, but they had, like, three of their starters go on the IR this past week. So then the Monday night game comes around, and the Cowboys are, like, three and four. And they're playing the 30th-ranked offense in the league in the Tennessee Titans at home. And they only put up 14 points. And, like, they just traded for Amari Cooper. You know, they have Zeke for the entire year so far, and he's been underutilized. And the Cowboys' offense line has been a mess. Um, I I feel like that was a team that I had high expectations in this year. Um, I just felt like this was the year for them to go out and win the division. They had kind of everything set up the right way. Um, and they've had everything go the way they needed it to. And the Redskins are the best team in your division. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're within range and three of their starters go down. That should be something that you should take advantage of. So it looks like there's going to be probably some major changes after the season with the Cowboys if it continues this way. But I really thought they'd be in the playoffs. I really thought they might make a playoff run, especially since they can run the ball and they had everybody they needed to, with the exception of some perimeter targets. But they've just, I think they've been really disappointing from start. Well, My second place team would probably be the Jaguars uh, or the Giants, but the Cowboys are just like, they've had everything they needed to in the division to go their way, and they still can't win. I mean, they could still easily come out of the division. We're only halfway through the season. The Redskins are 5-3, and the Eagles are 4-4, and and the Cowboys are 3-5, and only two games back. So, I mean, it's really still up in the air. Anything can happen. I just think that Tennessee loss was so devastating that I don't know they'll be able to recover from that. Um, especially since their offense hasn't like even looked good this year. I don't understand how it's so difficult to just hand the ball to Zeke Elliott and let him do work or throw the ball to him at least like like Christian McCaffrey amount, like throwing to him seven to eight times a game. Like get that guy the ball if you don't have any perimeter weapons and they don't do it very well. And they d- depended on their defense all year and they weren't doing well against Tennessee. So I felt like that Tennessee game was their game to prove themselves to say, okay, we're here. We're going to compete for the division. And I know they're still not out of it, but at the same time, like the Eagles, I think at this point are going to win it because the Redskins, I don't know if they can keep it up. And the Eagles, you know, have a lot of talent, obviously. And they went for it and got Golden Tate. So I felt like if they would have won that game, we'd be talking way differently about them. But right now, they just, they've been so disappointing, especially for me, because like I really thought they were going to have a good year. I picked them to win the division. Um, and they have all the pieces necessary to get to a division title, with the exception of perimeter targets at the start of the year. And now, like, it just doesn't look good. Um, so moving on to the next superlative. Uh, so who has been the most surprising team this year so far? So I have the Miami Dolphins at five and four, the Bengals at five and three, Redskins at five and three, uh, the Chicago Bears at five and three, and the Texans at six and three, especially after starting off 0 and three. Okay, yeah. Well, first of all, I thought going into the year that the I, – yeah, I know you didn't mention them, but I thought the Chiefs would end up being eight and eight or nine and seven if they were lucky – considering the schedule that they had and they've already won eight games. So I'm really surprised about that. But as for the teams you mentioned, I honestly have to go with the Texans. Um, I think they, they, they could easily have more than six wins. Uh, 
like they definitely have a roster built for for more than that and they started off 0 and 3 and now they're on a six game win streak i think it's really helped them that the jaguars have been struggling cuz other other than the jaguars the titans and the colts i mean they're not the best teams in the world so i would say uh it is surprising that the texans don't have more wins than they do um I yeah, I would agree with like your chief statement that you know, I thought they were gonna be ten and six and get the wild card. Um, and they've obviously like blown those expectations out of the water as long as they can finish it out, which I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. Um, to me, I'm not gonna say the Bears. They've surprised me in a lot of ways this year, especially like with the offense getting better. And then they've won games without Khalil Mack, I think the past two weeks, I think it's been surprising but I would say I would have to agree with you on the Houston Texans like going 0-3 to start the year that means you have to basically finish as close to 12-1 yeah, as exactly you, I mean or yeah as close to 12-1 and as possible to really go out there and get a good seed in the playoffs like and they're they went 6-0 and in the past couple of weeks and then they got DeAndre Hopkins and their offensive line has gotten somewhat better Deshaun Watson, after a terrible start, has looked like an MVP caliber player, like the player that we saw before he got hurt. And they traded for Demarius Thomas. Yep. And then J.J. Watt has returned back to defensive player of the year for him. And Jadavion Clowney's kept it up. Like, after that 0-3 start, that's usually kind of like the the death wish for every NFL team. Like, usually no team comes back from an 0-3 start. We've seen teams come back from 0-1 and 0-2, but 0-3 is tough. Um, but now they're, like, killing their division. They, it doesn't look like they have much to worry about. If they can, As long as they get to, like, 10 wins, they're probably going to win that division. So, I mean, it, it, they've surprised me in just about every way, but the Bears have surprised me a lot as well just because the offense has looked way, way better than last year. Looked like a pretty good turnaround so far as long as Mitch can keep it up. And then winning games without Khalil Mack and actually going and getting Khalil Mack yeah, was big such trade. a surprising thing at the start of the year. Um, so I think Chicago is in a really good place, and so are the Texans right now. And then the Chiefs, and all three teams took a quarterback in the same draft class. Exactly. So looks like that draft class is panning out pretty good. And so the last superlative I want to talk about, so halfway through the season, who are your picks from both conferences to win it all? And kind of like the teams that I listed as the most likely uh, from the NFC had the Rams, the Saints and the Panthers. And then from the AFC had the Chiefs, Steelers, Texans and Patriots. OK, um, well, I think I do think the Saints and Rams are going to match up again in the NFC championship game. If that works out, um, they played a great game last week. And, I mean, high scoring. uh However, I I think the Rams are better built for a playoff scenario, considering uh, their defense, I think, is more talented than what the Saints' defense is. Um, I don't want to say it, it was a fluke that the Saints won because Drew Brees is a all-time great quarterback. But I think if they played again, uh, it could end up being much lower scoring than it was. But So I'd have to say the Rams are still my favorite to come out of the NFC. And as for the AFC, they, it's I would easily say the Chiefs, but 
the one game that they lost this year was to the Patriots. And even though they put up 40 points on the Patriots, you can't expect to win a game by giving up 43. And that's exactly what they did against the Patriots. So I'd have to say, I mean, Tom Brady's always tough in the postseason. So uh, it would be hard to bet against Tom Brady. But then also the Steelers, the Steelers are hot now. Uh, ben Roethlisberger looked great Thursday night. Um, Le'Veon Bell, like it doesn't seem like Le'Veon Bell is coming back soon. Who knows what's going on there? It seems like the story is always changing. Uh, even if he did come back, I don't think it would like make them better or worse. Like, like they kind of already have a thing going there. So I think, yep. So I, I do want to say the chiefs, but I, I will pick the Patriots, but definitely the Steelers and chiefs are going to contend as well. I think it's funny because at the start of the year, everybody was saying like how deep the NFC was and like, nobody knows who's coming out of the NFC. And then they're like, well, the AFC is like the Patriots and the Steelers. And then now it's like, like yeah, it is kind of the opposite. Like out of the, yeah, in the NFC, you're like, well, it's going to be the Ram- the Rams or the Saints, and those are probably the only two. The Panthers maybe, and maybe a wild card team does something crazy, but for the most part, everybody's like, all right, it's the Rams or the Saints. And the AFC, you're like, well, the Chiefs are obviously really good. Well, you can never count out the Patriots. Oh my gosh, the Steelers are hot. Oh my god, like the Texans come back from the 0-3 and they look unstoppable. Like, so I would probably go out of the NFC. I would have to go with most likely the the Rams as of right now. I agree with you. They're probably better built for the playoffs because their depth and um, the amount of talent that they have. Uh, God, it's hard to pick against Drew Brees, though, especially since how talented this team is. But I'll, pro- I'll go with the Rams out of the NFC as of right now, barely. And I know the Saints, you know, beat them this last week. But people forget, and I don't know if people notice this, the Saints were up by like 18 at halftime yeah. for the Rams. And then the Rams just exactly. came back by the end of the third quarter. So, like, it was all tied up. So that's how talented they are. They, they're never out of a game with the amount of weapons they have and Sean McVay calling the shots. Um, in the AFC, okay, I – Obviously, the Chiefs have been probably the best team so far. The Patriots have been awesome as well. But, and you know, the Texans have been on run. But I'm going to go with the Steelers as of right now. They were my preseason pick um, to, I think, win it all, I think I said, over the Packers. Um, yeah, sure. I think you said that. I, yeah, that sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah. So, I think this team is – all four of these teams are unique in that, like, if you compare them to the Chiefs, all the other three teams have better defenses. And I feel like all of those other three teams can keep up with the Chiefs. They can all put up points. Yeah. So that's like, they're all really good at putting up points, but the Chiefs like are just the best at it. Whereas the Steelers, Texans and Patriots, when they've, when they're given a little bit more time to prepare in the playoffs, I feel as if they'll be maybe a little bit better prepared since they have those better defensive personnel. Um, But then again, like the chiefs have an all time offense. It's one of those things where I'm going to stick with the Steelers because they were my preseason pick and they've looked great. And you don't want to take too much out of Thursday night games um, because, you know, it's a short week and every offense looks Thursday night game because it's basically just chucking the ball around because no defense has had enough time to prepare or get healthy. But I'll go with the Steelers as of right now. 
Um, but the Chiefs are the overwhelming favorite. And then the Patriots, Texans, and Steelers are a team that you can't. So I'd like, I, I would love to see like any one of those four teams come out of the AFC. And then, you know, if it's the Rams or the Saints, I'll be happy. No complaints there. Um, and so moving on to our last big topic, I know there was a couple there. But this one, I actually saw this this week. And so this is based off the college football playoff rankings. So, you know, this is week two this week, the top ten. You got Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan as the top four. Georgia and Oklahoma are the next two out. And then you have LSU, Washington State, West Virginia, and Ohio State rounding out the top ten. So the scenario I saw this week on Twitter was, what happens if Clemson goes 13-0, Notre Dame goes 12-0, Michigan goes 12-1, and beats you know Ohio State, and then beats whoever comes out of the West. I mean, is a Big Ten champion. Oklahoma goes 12-1 and and is the Big 12 champion. And then Georgia beats Alabama <laughs> in the SEC championship. Georgia's 12-1, and the SEC champions, and Bama is 12-1 and as the runner-up. Yeah, that's... That is an interesting scenario. I mean, we saw it last year where Alabama didn't win the SEC championship and they still made it in, and that was a very controversial decision. So I bet if we see a scenario like that, we'll see the same thing as last year where Alabama has clearly been the most dominant team all year long. And if they did happen to have a little slip-up, I think the committee would give them the benefit of the doubt uh, and they'd remain in. So you said – Clemson and Notre Dame stay undefeated. Is that what you said? Okay, yep. so they so they stay top two. But then you've got, what, four teams? Yeah, four teams yeah. with one loss to so, get the last two spots. Yeah, so you'd have, uh, you'd have Clemson and Notre Dame undefeated. You'd have Michigan and Oklahoma and Georgia as one loss conference, conference yeah. champions. And then you had Bama, who would be 12-1 and one, um, without a conference championship. And see, the thing is, if they put – if they put Bama in, then they'd have to put Georgia in. Otherwise, winning the conference wouldn't make any sense. At, well, yeah, Georgia would have to be in. Yeah, so I think if Georgia took down Bama, they'd get in. And I don't think the committee would leave Bama out, especially after last year. So, I, it, Well, it would be so interesting, though, because think about it. Because you'd have to put Clemson, Notre Dame as one and two, in my opinion. And then you'd have to put Georgia at number three. And then you're looking at – oh. One loss, non-conference champion, and then you're looking at Michigan, who would have beaten Ohio State. They killed Penn State, and then they dominated Michigan State, and then their only loss was by seven to Notre Dame in their first game. And then you're looking at Oklahoma, who puts up tons and tons of points, who would have beaten West Virginia twice at this point, and uh, they've beaten a couple other decent Big 12 teams along the way conference champion so like and their only loss is to texas who's a top 25 team so i feel like it would it wouldn't be as easy as just throwing bama in there because at that point they would have lost to the best team on their schedule and their best win would be beating lsu at lsu but at that point lsu may be a two or three loss team whereas michigan would only have lost to undefeated notre dame and oklahoma may have only lost to um, you know, Texas, who may yeah. only have two or, or three losses as well. See, looking back on it, I just pulled up the college football playoff rankings from that ended last year. And so we had Clemson at 12 and 1, Oklahoma at 12 and 1. So there weren't any undefeated teams. Uh, Georgia won yep. the SEC championship at 12 and 1. 
then Alabama got in because their only loss was to Georgia. And so then you've got Ohio State, who won the Big Ten, Big Ten championship, right? And they, yep. they beat Wisconsin, who was at 12-1. and one. So that automatically took out Wisconsin. And then after that, there's really – there's no one-loss team. Every other team is two losses. So, so I guess maybe after all, this year would be a little different if we saw the situation that you explained. Because maybe, maybe Bama wouldn't get the benefit of the doubt. I think in that situation, you have to go Clemson, Notre Dame at one and two. Then Georgia is going to have to be three. And in my opinion, you have to throw Michigan in there. Like, how can you justify a team that has beaten Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and then they've beaten the top team in the West, and then their only loss is to undefeated Notre Dame. Whereas then Bama, they're only – like, they have, like, they'll have good wins from the SEC. Obviously, the SEC is probably the best conference in college football. But they didn't win their conference. And, you know, I mean, their one loss is to the team that in Georgia who beat them in the SEC championship, which obviously is it's a good loss to have, but it's not to an undefeated exactly. team. Exactly. So, like, I, I would probably throw Michigan in there. I feel like it would be hard not to. Even if Bama's looked, you know, amazing all year, and then just that would just be tough because then you would have to look at a team that just lost compared to a team that's only loss was their very first game. Yeah, I mean, either way, if it, if that scenario plays out, some or two teams are going to get screwed, no question about it. Yeah, I, I just mm-hmm. I know they just implemented this, but I can't remember how long this is set in stone for. But they really need to somehow make it an eighteen playoff. I'd love to yeah, see it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I like the controversy. Don't me, get me wrong. Like, I, I love it, and I understand why people want to keep it at four because it's really, really interesting. It, it gives us something um, to talk about, debate. Yeah, and there's, so, and there's so much drama with it. But if you want, like, the best system in terms of, like, um, like the least controversy and then the one that probably makes the most sense – um, then you need to go like the power five conference champions yep. and then three at large yeah. bids. And like that, at that point, there's really no debate and you just know who's getting yeah. in, which I mean, yeah, it, it takes out a lot of the drama there because then in this scenario, you're looking at Clemson's in Michigan's in Oklahoma's in, then you're looking at, um, uh, who's PAC 12, probably Washington, be Washington state. state. Yep. And then you're looking at who's the other power five, big 12, Oklahoma. Is, uh, Oklahoma. So you have your power five and then you're going Notre Dame at large, yeah. Alabama at large. And then you're looking at a, a debate between like Ohio state, West Virginia. So, LSU. so really, even if you do expand it to eight teams, there's still going to be some, a, a team that gets left out. But then it kind of feels a little bit like a pointless argument because then you're arguing between like a bunch of two yeah. lost teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're arguing or, seven, eight, nine, and ten versus three, four, five, six. So it's a lot, a lot yeah. less significance. Yeah. So like, I mean, I guess you still get drama. I think like if for the viewing experience and the you know the talk of it, four is yeah. perfect. But then like the perfect system would obviously be like the uh-huh. eight. Yep. So that concludes our uh, J3G's Just Three Things of the Week. Send it to AJ for odds and ends.
this week would bring back odds and ends where I will talk about a weird or a couple weird news stories that I've found this week. Um, again, we'll be taking a short break from our big greatest team, greatest NBA team ever tournament. Um, we'll probably get back onto that next week. But as for now, we'll get started with our first strange story. And then, uh, Gable, are you familiar with Ripley's Believe It or Not, those books? And, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's like the those those books were like at the book the scholastic book fair when yeah we that's like right and they would like always have like the weird reptile person yeah. on the front or whatever yeah. um so anyway and they also have like not theme parks but like place like attractions you can go see yeah, yeah so this yeah. one uh this happened in toronto canada um a plea or a man entered ripley's aquarium and literally right after he went in, he stripped naked and decided to jump into the shark tank. Did uh, he die? That's what makes this, I, I don't want to say it makes it disappointing, but it, do, it doesn't yeah. make it as interesting because he or the sharks were uninjured. And like there was no close situations or injuries or anything like that. So it's unfortunate for the entertainment value of the story. But yeah. <laughs> it is a good thing that uh, nobody was hurt. But uh, yeah, apparently, I I don't. What I want to talk about is like one. Apparently, this has never happened before, and that kind of surprises me because it seems like people do crazy, stupid stuff all the time. And the second thing, why is it so easy for somebody to jump into the shark tank? I feel like see that was that was the first thing I was yeah. going to ask you is how. How of all the tanks do you leave that? Like, you can't design that tank the same as the other tanks. Like, there's no way you can just leave the shark tank uh, open to people, like, being able to jump I mean, into and it. And if he just, like, easily went up to it and jumped into it, think if, like, a kid wandered off and ended up finding his way to the shark tank and falls in. Yeah, geez. Like, that would be the main concern. Like, I yeah I I'd figured that like people had done it before, but how is that easy to get into a Shark Tank? Like that's that just seems a little ridiculous. Yeah, and so uh, apparently he was able to do this without like like I said he walked in like stripped naked right away. Then he went to the Shark Tank, but apparently it was like a busy night. There was some jazz event going on at the aquarium, and so everybody like, it was pretty busy. So, yeah, yep. he was able to kind of go and notice. And then all of a sudden, like, there was a large commotion around the Shark Tank. People had video ca- or had their phone cameras going. Uh, there's a video that was posted on YouTube of the man, like, at the top of the Shark Tank. But the sharks, like, don't really seem to be bothered by it, which I think is kind of strange considering the circumstances. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is definitely um, interesting situations. Yeah, least. so there, that concludes our first story. Um, I do have a second story that's maybe even weirder. But uh, Gable, I know, I guess I don't know how much you want me to share, but I know you've experienced uh, constipation before, right? Um, not gonna say I'm the only American <laughs> that or person. That well, you've has, had extreme uh, levels. Uh yes, uh, yeah that's that's happened before. Do you want to go sure. into detail or no? <laughs> um no we can we can leave that for maybe another time. <laughs> let's just say 
Um, sometimes when you're on, when you have a surgery and you take a lot of medicine, um, it may block you up and you may have to go to the hospital. Yeah. For that. But anyways, that's a, that's a story for another well, time. But well, yeah, I do have I, to ask you one more question about it. Yep. Did you All ever right. try to stick anything up your butt to try to relieve the constipation? Uh, no. You swear you never did. I swear to God. Uh, okay. Well, this, uh, 49 year old Chinese man was convinced by his friends. Well, first of all, he, he's constipated and, you know, he, he wanted to get it cured. His friends convinced him that, a, uh, they called it a folk remedy. They said that putting an eel up your anus would clear the way, clear the constipation, make you feel better. So even though there's zero scientific evidence behind it, apparently this guy never looked into it. He just went ahead and did it. So he went and found a 20-inch long eel and had it crawl up his his anus. And then he was admitted to the hospital and had emergency surgery uh, to remove the eel from his intestines. Oh, um, <laughs> that's... That's it. It's next yeah, next level. That yeah, that's over. That's over the top. Um, if it comes to the point where your constipation is so bad that you have to stick an eel up your excuse my French, but up your ass. <laughs> um, yeah, no way. There's what? Why would I feel like people are just stupid sometimes? Like unbelievably stupid. Yeah. Like what? What would make you feel like that's a good thing? <laughs> like how are you gonna get it out? Well, do, you, do you think that it's gonna take? 20 inches to just like relieve well, your constipation. If, like, I'm sorry, if anything, no. it would just clog you up more. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like that's you got to do the math at some point. Like, when you get to these crazy situations, outside of the fact that it's just dumb to stick a live animal up your ass, um, I feel like the big thing is, is just break it down to the math. How in the hell is that eel going to relieve your constipation at just 20 inches? Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like your intestines are so long and I get it. They're all jammed like right underneath their stomach. But like, come on, like 20 inches that, that there's no way in any way would that work? Yeah. And uh, obviously it did not work. And uh, apparently the man ended up being OK. Uh, so thank goodness. And I just wanted to throw a little disclaimer out there. We do not recommend, especially after reading the story, we do not recommend shoving Anything up your butt to relieve constipation. Just take some Pepto-Bismol or whatever a doctor may prescribe Literally, you. Literally, just, just take a laxative or oh, yeah, Sugarless like, gummy bears, something like that. Like, take, like, just take something instead. Like, there's, there's no reason to stick an animal up your butt or any object up your butt to relieve constipation. Like, just let it pass. Yeah. Be normal. Be uncomfortable for a yeah, little while. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, Not nothing should ever go up your butt. But anyway, that concludes our odds and ends segment. It's time to send some picks, so Gabe will take it away. So uh, we're back with send picks, picks of the week. So uh, a little review of episode eight two weeks ago. Uh, AJ, you were the winner out of that one. You went seven oh, yeah. and four on your picks, and then Noah and I tied at six and five. I think, if I remember correctly, the most impressive thing about your seven and four, I think you were undefeated on your college football picks that week, and there were a ton Did of I really? games that week. 
It was either that or you went undefeated. I think it would have been the NFL, NFL ones because I do like a pigskin. It's called pigskin pick. I'm on ESPN where you pick the NFL yeah. games, and I've been doing really well in that. I'm almost. I've almost cracked the top ten thousand people. Okay, yeah, it probably was that then because I remember I was counting them up and I was like, "Geez, like he got all of these picks right." So you said NFL, right? Yeah, because I, I picked because I think Saints Rams was one of them. I picked the Saints to win. Uh, yeah, that's what and then was. maybe yeah, you were undefeated on all. Yeah, of those. so yeah, it was it was definitely a tough week of picking for sure. But yeah, I got pretty lucky, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, now that I remember it, like we all were terrible on college football. Yeah. I think that was yeah, we all. I think we were all like three and four on college football yeah. or something like that yeah. that week or like something along yeah, those lines. College football definitely yeah. not my strong suit in picking games. I I feel like okay, my problem with picking college football is that like I always I try to I wanna vary it up, but I can never like go against like a ranked team. Right. You know? Like I always feel like I have to pick the higher ranked team. So like when in doubt I'll always pick like the higher ranked team in those situations, even when it's like, you know, there's going to be a trap game just about every week. So, but anyways, moving on to this week's picks. So we'll start off with college football, obviously. And uh, so first game, we got unranked Wisconsin versus number 20 Penn state. Why is Penn state still ranked? Like, (laughs) well, I mean, they're not that bad. You're you're right. But I don't know. It's just something about it bothers me. They got blown out of the water by Michigan. But, however, I think them being at home will help them out a lot in this one. So, I will take Penn State to win. Just don't see why they rank exactly. I'm going to take Wisconsin. I feel like I'm obligated this week to pick one of the unranked teams to win. So, I'll take this one. Um, And – God, I, I don't want to take them, but I'll take Wisconsin just for the heck of it. So then we got number 10, Ohio State versus number 18, Michigan State. Okay, I can see this one being a good one, especially since Ohio State has been struggling recently. Um, so I would say that this is going to be a low-scoring game, but I still think Ohio State will take this one. I'll take Ohio State because I feel like they need they have they have to have a sense of urgency going to these last couple of weeks. This is them to have a huge statement win, um, where they can try and blow out Michigan State, maybe re- move up a spot or two in those college football playoff rankings, and set them up for like the ultimate showdown between them and Michigan, um, for basically the Big Ten championship outside of the actual Big Ten championship. So I'll take I'll take Ohio State in this one. Then this next pick should be pretty easy. Number 16, Mississippi State versus number one, Alabama. <laughs> well, I th- thought LSU was going to, like, if they didn't win, it was going to be close. But after seeing that they LSU couldn't even score in Bama, I don't see in how any way possible that Alabama loses this one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just go with Bama. I, I don't see a team beating them the rest of the year. But anyways, moving on to – Baylor versus number 22, Iowa State. All right, Iowa State getting into the – actually, this is their second week in a row that they've been ranked. Um, They're still playing outstanding football. Um, I'm going to take Iowa State in this one. Yep, I'll take Iowa State. Uh, Pretty easy pick, I think, there. The next one is a really difficult pick, and it's a pick I don't want to make, but 
Northwestern versus number 21, <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. This one could go really go either way. Uh, I would say Iowa has the advantage of being at home. But uh, I hate to say it, but I think this could be – this seems like a game that Iowa would lose. So I'm going to go with Northwestern. It's a little upset. Okay. So I am going to pick Iowa, but I have no confidence in this pick. And the reason why is because this heading into the season, they literally had to look at the schedule and there was about three or four really important games that they needed to win. And those important games were Wisconsin, Penn state, and then Northwestern. And so the Purdue game kind of jumped up before and like, obviously like they go out in 30 piece, uh, Ohio State, and then they, you know, have Tyler Trent go to the Iowa game. So, like, I feel like those things matter in college football. Um, and I feel like, you know, I always take those kind of like weird things that kind of come up uh, into account. Like, this Iowa team has just been a huge disappointment, and yet somehow they're still ranked, which I get it. They beat Iowa State, but like, Iowa State is playing so much better than they are right now. This, this is the last chance I'm giving this Iowa team to, like, have any faith in them. Like, this is a must-win game. Just for pride purposes to prove that we might actually be a pretty decent team this year. Because we have so much talent. And, like, if we don't win this one, then we don't deserve to be ranked. We don't deserve to go to a good bowl game. Obviously, at that point, we'll be sitting at 6-4. and four. It'll be pretty hard to recover. And it'll be kind of like a wasted season with the amount of talent we've had. So don't have a lot of confidence in it because Northwestern seems like always gets the best of us. But I'll take Iowa. This is the last time I'm going to believe in them until they prove me otherwise. So moving on, uh, last two college football games real quick. 24 Auburn versus 5 Georgia. Um, I think, again, this is another game that might end up being a good one. Um, I, I do think that uh, Georgia – has the upper hand, so I'm going to go with Georgia. I'm going to go with Auburn. This is a pick that I don't know anything about, to be honest with you. I haven't done research, but I feel like Gus Malzahn might be a little bit on the hot seat right now. I feel like he's always on the hot seat at Auburn. Like, I always feel like he has, like, just, like, these really weird seasons where they don't make a lot of sense, then all of a sudden, like, he gets a huge win. And it, like, completely saves his job and the outlook of the season. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and take Auburn. I know Georgia has a ton to play for, um, but I'm just going to go out, gut pick. I'll go Auburn. Uh, and then the last one, Clemson versus Boston College. Um, I, I've seen, like, this game is – like it's, it's a nationally televised game, so it's obviously been hyped up a little bit. But – I I don't see any way that Clemson will lose, so I'm going to stick with Clemson. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go with Clemson as well. Right. For NFL games to pick, first one, Lions versus Bears. Who do you got, AJ? Lions and Bears. Oh, my. Um, yeah, I just <laughs> had to do that. I'm sorry. That was really cringy. But anyway, uh, I don't trust the Lions enough to – make this even close. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the bears blew them out just because the bears defense is so good. Um, so I'd say the bears stay hot and they win this one. Yep. I'm going to go with the bears as well. 
So moving on, we have Saints versus Bengals. Who you uh, this one's a pretty easy one. I think the Saints stay hot, and the the game is projected to be a close one, but I honestly don't see that. So I got the Saints winning big. Yep, I'm gonna pick the Saints as well. Cowboys versus Eagles, kind yeah, of like that's... I feel like this is the Cowboys' last chance. I mean, Last year I mean, to be relevant in the this is a big this game year. for both teams, really. Sunday night football, um, prime time. But uh, I, I don't see Philadelphia losing, especially at home. Um, I think they're going to start getting it together and put on a streak here in the next few weeks to as they uh, make their run in the postseason. Yeah, I think this is. I think this is the the final like nail in the coffin for this Cowboys team. It's amazing. Like with how bad they've played at times this season that they still could win the division somehow. Um, especially like this is like an elimination game for them. In my opinion, like if they don't win this one, I just can't see them winning the division or making the playoffs in any manner. So I'm going to go with the Eagles though. I think the Eagles, the golden Tate trade was huge. I think uh, Carson Wentz is going to kind of lead them on a little bit of a hot streak. Um, I'll go with the Eagles. In our last NFL game, we have Giants versus 49ers. A really <laughs> bad set of teams. Felt like it would be interesting to pick. Yeah. So, uh, what do you got? I remember thinking the same thing. Was it yeah, a week from Thursday? So, when the Raiders and 49ers play, like, who wants to watch that? But the only thing that we yep. got out of it, other than a massive blowout was the coming out party for quarterback Nick Mullins of the 49ers. Like even though the Raiders aren't the best team in the world, he looked pretty solid. He looked like he's he's been a starter for quite some time. And now the Giants a similar team to the Raiders where they don't really have anything going for him. So I think Nick Mullins has another big game and the 49ers win big again. Uh, I'm going to go with the Giants. I feel like they have to pick up another win at some point. Um, and I'll give them this one. Um, I feel like sometimes you just kind of get lucky. I feel like the Mullins can play obviously really well. Um, and then Kittle from Iowa, which he's had a really good career so far in his second year. Um, I think he obviously played really well. I'm just going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Giants. I feel like they have to pick up um, another win at some point here. I'll give them this one. I feel like this might be the, their easiest game left on the schedule. Um, it's Monday night. Maybe Saquon shows out. Maybe Eli plays a halfway decent game enough for them to win. I don't know. I'll just take the Giants. Um, this week has been a lot of me just trying to go out on a limb and change up my strategy with some type. Hey, of you got to do that so. to catch up. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, I just feel like maybe going against my going against my first thought a little bit this week. So we'll see how that yeah, pays hey, off. Well, and so, the oh, last, sorry, you have one more. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. just one last pick. Um, and it's NBA. It's for tomorrow. Uh, we got Houston at San Antonio. Figure I'd throw an okay. NBA game in. This looks like the most appealing one so far um, for tomorrow. So, who do you got? Well, it's kind of hard to pick NBA games, especially since, uh, you know, players just, like, they randomly sit out, you know, they take a day off or, you know, something yep. may happen 
tonight. I actually I don't think either of these teams are playing tonight. Yeah, they're not. So, um, so yeah, you never know. Some might or some players might be a game time decision, but uh, I don't know. The Rockets have looked not good. I guess for the first part of this year. I mean, they've started to pick it up in the last couple of games. Um, they didn't play well against the Thunder without Russell Westbrook. And the Spurs, I think, are surprising people so far. But if I had to just go off of a hunch, I do say Houston, they'll come back and get a win here. Dang it. I was, I was hoping that you would oh. say San Antonio so I could oh, Sorry Houston. about that. But yeah, I'm going <laughs> to go with Houston. I feel like they need to get on a roll. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I, I really just feel like at this point in the season, like there's not a ton to get worried about. Like you have pretty much the – like 70 to 65 more games left in front of you. A lot of time to make that up, but I feel like they have to kind of get going here soon, get on a little streak, gain some confidence, especially since some other teams in the Western Conference have really stepped up their game um, with, you know, obviously Denver and Portland are, you know, started off pretty hot so far. So they are better than last year, even though they are still struggling a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, I feel like Houston needs to needs to get a win here, and this would be a good statement win for them as a team. I'll go with Houston. So that concludes our send pick. Actually, actually, no, week. it doesn't. I have, I have, oh, oh, I have no, one more. I have one more. I have a bonus right. thing. All right. I just wanted to make a bold prediction. Uh, you know, fantasy football. You're sitting at zero and nine. <laughs> Oh, God. Sorry, I had to bring that up. I think this is going to be the week that you get your first win. I, I'm hoping so. I really don't care at this point. Okay, so this is this is the thing. I, for the people that don't know this, I'm going to bring this up and I'm going to show. Well, I can't obviously show them this, but my team right now. Let me look this <laughs> up here. Um, so when you go by points. Uh, forced this year, so my, more like the amount of points scored. My team is currently sixth. <laughs> the two teams right below me in the standings. I mean, the yeah, the two teams right below me in like the standings for points forced. I guess are like both have winning records. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Well, and so I and one of them seventy two. Yeah. Like one of them is Moose's team. And that's ridiculous, like, how I have scored 1,109 points in PPR, and he scored 1,073. He's in first place right now. He has seven more wins than you. And another thing is, too, like, this is is just crazy to me, but your team has given up 200 more points than any other team. Yeah. Like, if you – like, literally, just do the math. My team – like literally gets the worst. I literally play the best team. Yeah. Like, scoring wise. Like even even last week, <laughs> Jared put up 170 on you. <laughs> I know. I was projected to beat uh, Jared, who is yeah. AJ's brother. Yeah. For people who may not know, I was projected <laughs> to beat him by like literally like 20 points or so before the week started, and I lost by like 80. I didn't put up that many points, but I still wasn't exactly, the worst scoring yeah. team. I think I was like the third or fourth worst scoring team that week. So it like wasn't a good week, but I still got 177 like put on put on my team. Like it's come to the point where you want to play me because it's not that I'm going to put up a good fight. It's just 
really like you're just gonna go off. Like I put up a decent fight, but at this point, it doesn't even matter anymore. Like I play, who did I play? I play yep. Moose this week. I'm projected to beat him by, I think. Yeah, and he also hasn't checked. He hasn't 18. put in two players. Hey, no, don't I'm... don't say that. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this. I, really I won't tell he him because he's beating me by one game right now. So this would help me. <laughs> I know, dude. Hopefully, he'll feel sorry for me and just let me pick one up. But, but I don't know. Hopefully, he doesn't check his fantasy team before Sunday. I hope he's got like some family stuff or whatever, and he just gets busy and forgets to check because there's no. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. I don't know. Just by just by looking I, at his team, though, I don't know if even if he puts two players in, I don't know if he'll have anybody that'll make a big difference. God, dude, I hope I win. I just want <laughs> one regular season win because then. We all know in the playoffs, I'm going to get matched up with probably Logan's yeah. team. And that's crap because he had his best week all year when he played <laughs> me in the regular season. Half the time so he doesn't even check his I team. I, I know. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah, I, I hope I get my first win this week. You know what? I'm going to predict it too. At this point next week, I will be 1-9. <laughs> that's what it's well, going to be. I hope so because it will benefit me as well. So, right. so anyway, we'll go ahead and conclude the episode here. I want to thank you guys for listening to episode nine of Just Three Guys podcast, even though it was just two guys this week. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back next week with episode 10. That's kind of a milestone. I doubt we'll do anything big for it because, you know, I don't think we'll, we, I don't think we really uh, overachieve with this. But anyway, uh, thanks again for listening. We'll try to get something out again next week. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at J3G Podcast. I guess with that being said, we'll talk to you guys next week. Right.